welcome back to America Can We Talk. Thanks so very much for tuning in. I want to say it again. It's so nice to be back in the studio. You know, I pre-recorded two shows, really, so we could go out to California. I'm trying to work on my next book. And when I'm here, I just get too involved in political activities and, um, and can't get the time at home. So I worked on the book, but I'm so glad to be back in person. And I also, there's one short thing I was going to mention to you for our Dallas listeners, um, and that is that if you're a supporter of Dave Bratt, you know, the U.S. congressman from Virginia, who uh, is just a stellar conservative, one of the people who signed the letter from Congress to the Department of Justice referring for potential prosecution, the list of uh, the Hillary Comey cabal, I'm actually part of a group bringing him here for a fundraiser. And if you'd like to be invited, get an invitation to uh, meet Dave Brat and be part of that fundraiser, email me at AmericaCanWeTalk at gmail.com, and I'll tell you all about it. I'm pretty sure the date is June 4th. I don't have it in front of me, wherever that Monday is in there. Uh, so I'd love to have you, if you're interested, email me at AmericaCanWeTalk at gmail.com. Okay, so at the top of the second hour, I do my cruise to the news, and this is, if I ever had a show... Two hours a day, five days a week, I would indulge all these stories, but I can't. Two hours a week, I got to really, really pick and choose. But I want to just run through some stories very quickly. One was that, you know, as I've told you many times, my um, husband and I are particularly connected with and fond of um, Israel. My husband's business partner is an Israeli citizen. We uh, just just love Israel, been there, um, appreciate them. Well, they're having their 70th anniversary of their establishment of as a nation again. Um, and so, of course, that's wonderful. But one great thing that Donald Trump did, Donald Trump's state, in addition, of course, to agreeing to move the American embassy in Israel to the capital that the Israelis decided is their capital, which is Jerusalem. I mean, like every other country in the world gets to pick their capital, so does Israel. But anyway, but the other great thing was the State Department, they uh, put out a um, their annual report on human rights violations, and they no longer refer to the West Bank as occupied. Darn straight. You're not kidding. We know we're, we've actually had guests in this show talking about, in fact, our good friends from Israel. Um, I had... Several friends from, from Israel on the show, we've talked about why it's completely factually incorrect to call the West Bank occupied. But anyway, the U.S. State Department in this new report just took out that reference that no longer says occupied. And um, said it's just um, the, the uh, reports on human rights practices had a section on Israel and the uh, occupied territories, as it used to say. And now it just says Israel, Golan Heights, West Bank and Gaza. Yahoo. OK, that was a small thing. OK, next thing was. And this, again, uh, for our Texas listeners, um, I just want to hit one quick story about Dallas, which is where we do this show live. But in Dallas, you may remember that last year the city council uh, voted over the protests of many, many citizens. In fact, polls showed the majority of citizens objected to this. They removed a Confederate era a statue of a Confederate era leader, um, Robert E. Lee. But the point of that, so that was removed. There's controversy. They're going to have a committee, make a recommendation. Well, now it appears that Dallas City Council is going to introduce a resolution next week that will call for the demolition and removal of a 120-year-old historical Confederate memorial and auctioning off that beautiful bronze equestrian statue of Confederate General Robert E. Lee. And I got to tell you, folks, I know it's a, it's a hot button issue. I know people get, uh, you know, they obviously they 
people who are against having any statues in that era are talking about the emotional harm or the, um, you know, how people get their feelings hurt. But this is so wrong for a civilized country. This is so wrong to destroy your history, to destroy symbols of your history, to erase it. This is what tyrants do. This is what bad guys do. This is what invading Islamic armies do to other countries. They destroy their history. We shouldn't be doing it here. It hasn't passed yet, but the Dallas City Council seems to want to ignore the polling, repeated polling, showing that the citizens did not want it removed, um, and they're plowing forward. Okay, um, next thing I wanted to mention, there was a lot of attention this week, and I just want to draw a parallel and ask you to think about. This isn't so, this is really more about the media and how much the American public thought is manipulated by the media. You likely know the story of the two black men who were in a Starbucks in Philadelphia and uh, didn't order right away. And one of them asked to use the restroom and someone said, no, the restroom is for customers only. The two men were waiting for a third guy to join them because they were going to have a business meeting. It just turned into a very, very unfortunate scene for everyone. Um, and so the, um, because I'll say for everyone in a moment, but the two men were finally uh, asked to leave. The police came, handcuffed them. Really overdone, overblown. You know, it sounds like just a big mistake that shouldn't have happened. Because I'll say, this, this Starbucks is in the middle of an area of Philadelphia that's largely black. They, they have majority black clientele. The store manager, who's lost her job, is a social justice warrior type. I mean, she's a liberal. So this was a bad story, unfortunate, you know, but we had a major overreaction compared with how quickly this story about the two sheriffs in Florida, who were gunned down for no reason at all in a lunch count. They were at lunch, sitting at lunch in a Chinese restaurant, and a complete random shooting happened, and they were both killed. And I just think there's something wrong in society. We have more stories and protests about Starbucks than about those two officers. There's something wrong there. Okay, we're going to zip off to a break, and we come back. We have Jimmy Capra in studio, changing the subject to talk about marijuana legalization. Debbie George asked, American Could We Talk, come back. Could you lose your career because of your faith? Could your pastor be sued because of his sermons? Can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about God? Can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs? Get the answers and, if necessary, legal protection from First Liberty Institute. First Liberty is the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact, First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90% of their cases. They've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to local schools. Visit FirstLiberty.org to learn more about how First Liberty is protecting religious freedom for all Americans in the workplace, public schools, your church, the military, and more. That's FirstLiberty.org. If you want hope for religious freedom and a free listing of your rights, go to FirstLiberty.org now. If there's one thing the conservative movement needs, it's a leader. And we have one, the Heritage Foundation. Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Heritage gets in the trenches on Capitol Hill. They promote principled solutions directly to lawmakers in Washington. And unlike politicians, they don't waver or compromise. But they're not a Washington institution. There are nearly a half million Heritage members and supporters in America. And they're on a mission to grow that number and build the conservative base. 
You can become a Heritage member by going to joinheritage.org today. I've been a member of Heritage myself for years. I have Heritage experts on my show, and I rely on their analysis to get the facts out. As a member, you'll get updates from Heritage Foundation on the fight for conservative solutions to America's challenges. Plus, you'll receive exclusive invitations to conservative events where you live. So join the growing movement. Find out more at joinheritage.org. That's joinheritage.org. America faces unprecedented threats to our national security. The Center for Security Policy, based in Washington, D.C., is a national leader focused on the organization, management, and direction of public policy coalitions to promote U.S. national security. The Center is a special forces in the war of ideas dedicated to identifying opportunities and challenges likely to affect American security and acting promptly to ensure that they are the subject of focused national examination and effective action. The Center enlists support from executive branch officials, key legislators, and other public policy organizations and brings these teams together to develop and shape policies that will keep America safe. Check out centerforsecuritypolicy.org for the latest news and developments brought to you by America's leading security experts. Becoming and remaining informed is one of the best ways every citizen can be a part of the mission to keep America safe. That's centerforsecuritypolicy.org. Attention Ronald Reagan fans, what is the one item most sought after by Americans who love the Gipper? It's Young America's Foundation's Reagan Ranch Calendar. Young America's Foundation is the leading youth outreach organization dedicated to ensuring that increasing numbers of young Americans understand and are inspired by the ideas of individual freedom, a strong national defense, free enterprise, and traditional values. New audiences of young people across the country are introduced to conservative ideas through Young America's Foundation's programs, including the Reagan Ranch Program. The Reagan Ranch calendar contains spectacular images of the Gipper enjoying his beautiful 688-acre ranch, the Western White House. For a limited time, the calendar is free. Even shipping is free. To receive your beautiful Reagan Ranch calendar from Young America's Foundation, call 800-USA-1776 and mention the phrase Reagan Gift. Again, the number is 1-800-USA-1776 and Reagan Gift is the code. Learn more about Young America's Foundation at www.yaf.org. That's yaf.org. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. Okay, so before the break, I didn't have as much time as I should have taken uh, to let you know about our guests. And so I want to take a moment to introduce them. Jimmy Capper is in studio with us. If you're watching on Facebook Live, thank you for watching Facebook Live. Um, if you're listening on radio, I will tell you, you can always go to our Facebook page, which is just called America Can We Talk, and you can watch the show and people comment. Uh, you can also email me at AmericaCanWeTalk at gmail.com, and we have a lot of lively discussions going on, on the Facebook page, which you're welcome to uh, participate in. I only blocked a few people. If you write bad words, you're off. Okay, so James Capper's here, and just to give you the briefest background, he's the former chief of global operations for the DEA, the Drug Enforcement Agency, responsible for uh, 227 domestic offices, 86 foreign offices, offices in 67 countries, a long experienced uh, person dealing with um, drug related issues, drug enforcement issues. And um, the reason I wanted to come on, I will tell you, I um, I discovered recently in talking with some friends who are pretty, pretty politically active that even on the conservative side, there is some more agitation or concern about what, what to do, number one, 
about trying to get marijuana, medical marijuana, legalized, and I could in in a variety of states, um, with the idea that it's the only thing that can help certain people. And if that is the case, isn't it cruel that we don't legalize it? That's the first one. I guess I'll just st- stop there. So let me start with that. Where do we stand on what it, people who claim they need medical marijuana, what's the real story there? Right. Well, th- that has been, so there has been a movement for the last 40 years with the legalization. Okay, 40? Over 40 years. Okay. Legalization, since the early 70s of them trying to use medical marijuana or the, the fact that it's supposedly a, a medicine. That somehow is going to bring great health to, to uh, people. Now, I've lived this thing. Here's the funny thing is you, you, there's so much pushback everywhere about, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. You just want to arrest people about all this other stuff. But we've watched them at their best, throw things against the wall to see it stick. I watched it when I was stationed in Los Angeles. I watched them say it's good for glaucoma patients. That's why we need it, right? It's good for glaucoma. Except the doctors came out and said, no, no, it creates more pressure. It's good for spasticity. No, no, it's, that's not going to happen. And then the AIDS epidemic hit. And then what happened is you have emotion and opinion that overrides evidence, and that's what they've utilized, and they got their foot in the door. It has never been. Anybody who thinks it's about medical marijuana helping people, it has never been about that. That There are good, well-meaning people who think somehow it's going to help them. But, but in fact, legalization anywhere across the world has never worked, and it's not working here. It's having miserable impact, and we have been warning. We, people in law enforcement, people in the addiction uh, community people in the treatment community are saying this is not what we should be doing as a nation. We are we are setting up the next generation of Americans to fail. Okay, I want to just ask you. I'm glad to have you lay all that out, and I because it is a really interesting thing. I'm I'm pretty straight arrow. I'm not that excited about drugs being legalized, but yeah. I do have that tug at my heart. If sure. people had really could have no other way of finding relief, so I thought you or maybe or someone was talking about there's some ingredient in marijuana, right? That can be distilled down and medicinally. So there's a couple of there's some research, and this is what we're talking about, Debbie. Is the, no one in law enforcement, and especially in the Drug Enforcement Administration, they're not opposed to studying it, research. That's what the protocols call call for. As a matter of fact, this great thing: science and evidence should rule the day when we're talking about health policy. Marijuana is the only drug that we've decided. Hey, we're going to vote whether or not it's a medicine. That we and okay, it's a medicine. That's a good point. People we, decide. Yeah, yeah, we decided instead of instead of people saying, "Wait, wait, what's the what's the efficacy? What's the dosage units?" And so what's what's happening now? Again, again, when I testified before down in Austin, what they did is they brought in a a, a couple who had a young child who was dying, has some horrific disease that their brain is shrinking, and and these mom and dad, wonderful people, as far as I can tell, were saying we got to do something. We got to have this marijuana oil because they think it's like Lorenzo's oil. If you remember the movie years ago, that somehow it's going to help their baby. But the doctors have told them there's nothing we can do. The child is is going to die. But but this is a parent who so it tugs on your heart. The entire mood of the of the um, where where the hearing changes overnight because we got to do something. But but what do the doctors say about it? And so th- this becomes the position is. I, I know it's emotional. I, I know to say this person is, oh, this person has Parkinson's. This person has this. But what do what do the doctors say? And there's not a single medical agency that, that says we should have smoked marijuana. Let me go back to your um, thing about CBDs, the cannabinoids. What are the elements within that that have shown that they may, there's still a lot more research that has, they may have some helpful impact on some of the things. But we don't decide Biff and Susie, experiment behind a counter of a medical marijuana. So I've, we've come up with it. We we have scientific and health series protocols that are put into place for that. 
And so this is the this is the difference. Okay, so on the marijuana thing, well, before I get to my other questions about the impact of legalization, but um, isn't some of the argument that people who want it legalized say is, I don't think it's going, I understand it won't cure my child or myself, my disease. It's just the only thing that can alleviate nausea or only alleviate pain. Right. Is that, is there any validity to that? Well, I, well I, I, you can go on and on about individual people, but there is, there, there is synthetic Marinol that's been out there. That's an appetite suppress. It's an appetite stimulant, and it also has an analgesic, in it, which means it's a pain reliever. But you're not going to hear about the people. I'm not interested in that. What I'm interested in is I'm interested in this. I'm interested in, in getting it legalized. See, this okay. is, I, I'm telling you as an expert who've watched this thing for nearly 30 years, the 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 medical the push for the for medicine is just a ruse to get it legalized. Okay, so Marinol is a thing. Was that the one that's for sale in Canada? Yeah. No, it? no. Then there's two other um, two other drugs that are sublingual that are on the market. I forget which pharmaceutical company has it. One is in Canada, and they're they're. I think it's still in testing, or it may have already be out uh, to see the impact on. In particular, I believe it's um, seizures, help help with seizures. Okay, so is it also because you've been and I, I listeners, if you're just tuning in, we're speaking with Jimmy Capra. He's a former, uh, you know, global. I'm going to get this title right because it's such a cool, uh, impressive <laughs> title. Former chief of global operations for the Drug Enforcement Administration. So seriously, decades and decades of knowledge about drugs that are impacting society. So, so okay. So the advocacy advocates for medical marijuana are are they're more emotion than they, than fact. But but are they also pushing toward? Is it usually a step toward pushing for legalization? I, for I recreational think there's an use? underground step for it. I think there are many good men and women, and I I like I said I've watched this for years, who who really believe in the hype that somehow that this is going to going to help. That somehow this is going to make us better. The the issue becomes is what does science say? Yeah. And nobody's holding it back because well we can't we we gotta we gotta do this now because we gotta there's there are DA has given out a number of registrations for legitimate uh, pharmaceutical companies to actually research and see if it's it's there. So the push of you gotta have it today, we gotta have it today is like it's it's not a medicine. There is like I said, there are 10, 11, 12 organizations. These are scientists who are saying, no, we'd smoked ma- smoked marijuana is it should not be legalized. And in places where they had medical marijuana legalized. Right behind her, we watched it with Colorado. We watched it with Washington. The next step would be, okay, we want to legalize it. And it's problematic. So it's the same proponents who pushed the legalization? Yeah, I think we've got to be careful about the men and women out there who really believe that this yeah. is somehow a medicine and that it should be pushed to those people who really the subterfuge is, let's push this thing so we can get legalization through the door. Okay, so in Colorado, you meant, I'm glad you mentioned Colorado because that was one place I wanted to touch on. So they had a vote to legalize marijuana there, and I've talked about in different from different aspects, especially in Denver. But what has been the impact, for example, on law enforcement in Colorado? It's been it's been huge. If you talk to any of the chiefs in the area that have issues with it, all you can do is need, need to talk to them. So b- before it started, just before they got went to full-blown legalization, they put their foot through the door with medical marijuana. There was more medical marijuana clinics in Denver than there were Starbucks and McDonald's. So that so all of a sudden— Is that true? Yeah, absolutely oh true. Gosh. So all of a sudden, oh, like, I, like I told a representative in Florida, when we were asking me, they wanted to push that, I said, you're going to find out how many sick people you have. Yeah, you, you, all of a sudden everybody— And I told that when we got to Texas to a number of legislators here. Be careful about where you want to go with this. So here's what's happened. We warned them. We, law enforcement, treatment professionals, not just law enforcement, treatment professionals, warned them, hey, here's what you're going to see. You're going to see an uptick 
of use and abuse. You're going to see this. You're going to see that. You're going to see accidents. You're going to mercy room episodes. Every one of them has gone up. 145% increase in fatalities on the accident where THC was was in the blood system. Which is from marijuana. Which is, marijuana okay. is the active ingredient that gives you, gives you the high. Since they legalized recreational marijuana, here's the, here's the other thing. Use of alcohol in that state has gone up exponentially. So they think, okay, so suddenly we're, we're going to be, and we can talk about the opioid crisis if you want, but suddenly somehow this is going to help. It's, it's done everything that crime has gone up. Homelessness has gone up in the state. Uh, you, you name it, Mercy Room episodes for babies. And how is it marketed anyway? I tell people all the time, go, go to one of the stores and see the gummies that are there. They're all marketed like colors, like they're candy and everything. It doesn't look like a yellow bottle that we get from the pharmacy, right? So who is it targeted towards? It's, it's, uh, it, I was going to really say, the targeted thing, and then we're about to break here, but I, I read something about how the percentage of high school kids reporting experimenting with drugs has gone up once they legalized marijuana. Because, sorry? Uh, Colorado leads the nation now in yeah. youth, the drug abuse with marijuana being the first time experimenting from 12 to 17. Okay, folks, we're speaking with Jimmy Capra about the DEA or his what he learned from the DEA and about marijuana legalization. We come back, we're going to talk about, but what about the imprisonment issue? How mm-hmm. do we address that? Don't go away. Let me tell you about the group Vice President Mike Pence called the most effective grassroots pro-life organization in America. It's the Susan B. Anthony list, and they're the ones who are on Capitol Hill right now, day in, day out, to fight back against Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry. Every day in our nation, abortion takes more than 2,000 innocent lives, almost two every single minute of every single day. And Planned Parenthood is the largest abortion business in the country, committing one-third of all abortions. It's an unspeakable tragedy and a stain upon our nation and our humanity. And it's up to us to do something about it. This is your opportunity to join the team that's leading the charge to end abortion. Go to sba-list.org or Google Susan B. Anthony List now to learn more and start saving lives today. Do you know that one in nearly five United States residents lives in an immigrant household? That we take in more than one million new legal immigrants every year? Studying the impact of federal immigration program is the mission of the Center for Immigration Studies, the nation's only think tank looking at the broad national effect of immigration policy. Whether it's on crime, welfare, national security, or the job market, CIS digs out information about immigration from government sources, translates it into English, and makes it available to the public, the news media, and policymakers in Washington. Check out its work at CIS.org. CIS makes the case for better enforcement against illegal immigration and lower levels of legal immigration in the future. Most other special interest groups pursue the opposite. The only thing standing between them and open borders is an informed public. Get informed and stay informed by visiting CIS.org. That's CIS.org. If there's one thing the conservative movement needs, it's a leader. And we have one, the Heritage Foundation. Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Heritage gets in the trenches on Capitol Hill. They promote principled solutions directly to lawmakers in Washington. And unlike politicians, they don't waver or compromise. But they're not a Washington institution. There are nearly a half million Heritage members and supporters in America. 
and they're on a mission to grow that number and build the conservative base. You can become a Heritage member by going to joinheritage.org today. I've been a member of Heritage myself for years. I have Heritage experts on my show, and I rely on their analysis to get the facts out. As a member, you'll get updates from Heritage Foundation on the fight for conservative solutions to America's challenges. Plus, you'll receive exclusive invitations to conservative events where you live. So join the growing movement. Find out more at joinheritage.org. That's joinheritage.org. America guarantees each eligible adult citizen the right to vote. The Public Interest Legal Foundation, a 501c3 public interest law firm, is dedicated entirely to election integrity, to assuring that voter rolls include names of only citizens eligible to vote, and that protections are in place to prevent voter fraud of all kinds. The Public Interest Legal Foundation discovered that more than 1,000 non-citizens enrolled to vote in Virginia in just eight counties, and in Philadelphia, felons as well as non-citizens are on the voter rolls. Non-citizens have been registering to vote and voting. The Public Interest Legal Foundation is fighting nationwide and in Texas to ensure that only Americans pick American leaders. We are actively litigating high-impact cases to clean up voter rolls and protect the ballot box. If you do not want your vote canceled out, visit publicinterestlegal.org to join us in the fight to restore integrity to American elections. Protect your vote. Visit publicinterestlegal.org today. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georges. I love our music. I love our theme music. I always like to, sometimes I realize I'm sitting here, the, the Facebook Live is running. I'm kind of, um, anyway, uh, don't get started because I want to listen to the music. So we have Jimmy Capra in studio, and I'm really glad to be talking about this because I think we're talking about marijuana legalization, a lot of arguments about it, and people who are just concerned about suffering and so it's an emotional topic and it's also one where i think that a lot of people feel ignorant about it and they say i I shouldn't judge what do i know but i want to just run through some other questions that are very very common um for um uh on on this uh, thing and just let you rip and tell me the story okay one is the argument is there's a lot of unfairness in our um criminal justice system we have way too many people locked up uh for possession of small amounts of marijuana and that just has to be wrong we, we have to adjust that so what is the answer what do you think about right. that there's there is approximately one-tenth of one percent of all the people in jails the state local county jails are in there for for marijuana possession oh my god there's most of those have been pled down from some other crime. In other words, you get you get popped with uh, multiple offenses, and then you plead down to simple possession. You're still going to jail for however many x amount of years. So to say that everybody's in jail for small amounts, and people's idea of small amounts is a joint. I, I was sitting with the National Sheriff's Association who, who, during when uh, the former AG came in, and he stood up. This guy from Florida says, "Stop telling. You need to stop telling people we have too many people in jail for small amounts." He goes, "You can't put somebody." in jail for a small amount of marijuana. It's a ticket. It's a, it's a, it's a tiny ticket. Let's go on to the next one, what you got. But only a very small amount of individuals are in jail for, for simple possession. And many of those pled down. I mean, they did many more than pled, they were charged. Right, many of them pled yeah. down. But if you look at their offense, you go, oh, my God, simple possession is in jail for three years. Okay. There's also an argument, and this is, you know, in this show, I, 
I work, I really try very hard to cover stories about veterans and our service members mm-hmm. and, you know, just anything we can do. To, I'm so grateful for them. I can barely stand it. And I want to support them. And you do hear people argue that there are veterans for whom marijuana, uh, who veterans suffering from PTSD, post-traumatic stress syndrome, marijuana is the answer. What's your answer? Yeah, so the, that's the new emotional gig is we got to help our veterans. Now, listen, coming from my family, every every man in my family has served in the military. And you did too. So, And I did too. And, and, and so I, I've had people say, well, you don't you don't like the military. So, no, consequently, we lost my oldest nephew in Iraq. So I'm sorry. we were very, mm-hmm. very well acquainted with military service. But the issue becomes, again, it's an emotional issue. So post-traumatic stress disorder is very real. It is a very real thing. And some vets are saying, this is the only way I get relief. The, problem, the reality is we go to, what are the psychologists who, who treat these? What are the scientists saying? They go, no, that's not a good way of doing it. As a matter of fact, studies are now starting to show that veterans who are on marijuana, in other words, they're self-medicating on marijuana, many of them are becoming addicted to the drug. And, and which, which leads to the next thing. A lot of people don't know marijuana is an addictive drug. We've been saying it for years. Now science has backed that up. It is an addictive drug. Not everybody who's going to be addicted, but many are. Okay. I want to get to, I, I have to do a follow-up on that because we had this, for the listeners, we talked about this on the break, and I had that same reaction. I I, I mean, marijuana is, you're, you're, they're all just smoking joints. I mean, right. that's how they're ingesting it. So you're saying that just ingesting, of, uh, I mean, smoking marijuana is can become, you become addicted to the, to the THC, users, is that Right. It? It's THC, is a, but for the chronic, chronic user, because people walk around, I, listen, I'm a baby boomer. I actually saw more pills growing up probably in the Navy than I did when I went to college. But but there, there's such misin- misinformation out there. No, not everybody who tries marijuana is going to move on to another drug. But there, you won't find a single drug user who's on some other drug or heroin who hasn't started with marijuana and alcohol, to be honest with you. That was my other question. My another question I have, which is about this gateway drug argument, because I hear people say, "Oh, that's you know, marijuana is not a gateway to anything." So, what is the story? What Absolutely, one hundred percent. And Debbie, I was at a hearing where a congressman basically berated the deputy administrator of DEA, saying, "How dare you say it's a gateway drug?" Well, any cop worth his salt who's worked a beat anywhere will tell you it's absolutely. A, you could the pattern is this: kids that start very young, it's usually alcohol, um, uh, you know, alcohol, marijuana. And then eventually move on to other drugs. One in one in six or one in eight kids will become will move on, will become addicted to marijuana. The issue about the gateway is not just that I need the next high because that's ridiculous because there's a lot of science out there as well. But it's the drug culture begets the drug culture. So as the perception of harm decreases, use and abuse go up. Kids who are using marijuana are hanging out with other kids who are using marijuana who hang out with other kids who are using other kind of drugs. So, so this whole issue, it is an absolutely gateway. Now, now psychologists um, are, st- are starting to, to come out and, and say, listen, this is what we're witnessing. And that's why I say go back to science. What does science go? Because people will look at me and say, oh, you're just a former narc. What do you know? You want to lock people up. Yeah. Well, this gateway thing is interesting because you're saying it's not just the physically addicting aspect of marijuana that's gateway-ish. It is the culture you join right. in, which I can completely envision. I mean, you can, anyone can envision that. You just, you know, and you're probably a little bit taunted, a little bit, well, come on, you're afraid, you don't want to try whatever the next right, thing is. Right, right. Okay, so the gateway drug thing is real. You look like you have something you wanted to say. I do. I, I just wanted just a quick thing from the American Journal of Psychiatry, 2017. It says, Cannabis use, even among adults with moderate to severe pain, were associated with substantially increased re- risk of non-medical prescription opioid use. So we talk about the link now between marijuana and opioids. 
We talk about the link between legalizing drugs and why we have an, an opioid epidemic in our country today. There, 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 there is a link to this, and people don't want to recognize it. But I, let me be careful about that. Science is starting to recognize it a lot. There's a, a research that was done. Debbie, it was done like two and a half, almost three years ago, where they, they looked at the brains of female women who were pregnant, and they were chronic marijuana users, including the babies and or aborted fetuses. Since I, don't, I didn't like that when I read it, but it just is. It's, it's what yeah. they did. And they found out that chronic, female, chronic marijuana users who were pregnant, the, the marijuana activated the opioid receptors in the baby's brain. Oh, my gosh. So, this, so the so, babies are getting addicted so, to opioids. So now what's happening is you're starting to, right, it's, it's starting to activate these opioid receptors, which means they're more prone to risk if they, if they try the drug. And now what we're starting to see with chronic marijuana users is, and this is science, this is, this is not the law enforcement guys that are saying. This is not, you know, people said, well, I'm just going to throw this against the wall. That's why it's important. What does the evidence tell us? And if the evidence should tell us something, shouldn't we be responsible as far as legislators and go, hey, do we really want to do this to the American public? And why would we want a pharmaceutically induced younger population in our country? I said the last thing we need is <laughs> more people. I mean, the, the idea of a, uh, you know, raising up the next generation of leaders in the mm-hmm. country, next generation of, of military officers and scientists and researchers and lawyers and doctors, right. the, the notion you should want the healthiest young yeah. next generation. And my friend uh, Ruth is texting me during this show to say that she is aware of the particular impact and harm of uh, marijuana on um, uh, on young people and um, and young people's forming minds. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. your brain's not fully developed until once twenty to twenty five. I think for guys it, it, it's like sixty, sixty five. Yeah, no, no, just no, you're probably going. right. <laughs> Trust me, I married way up. So, uh, but but the Joke. other issue is that is, is that this is not about arresting people. This is not about arresting young people. I tell those people, I believe, I honestly believe that it should be a, and we do in the United States have a system in place where people get a second chance, and and the the goal should be. The goal should be to reduce that kind of trafficking and to those people who need help to get them help. Yeah. And also they should announce justice. I mean, we do. We have diversion programs. In Texas alone, we have some of the best drug courts. And then, and then I'm fortunate to belong to a phenomenal group of men and women on drug prevention resources right here in Irving that, that these young men and, men and women and not so young men and women are doing their best to mitigate you know, the harmful choices that young men and women will make. They're an amazing group of people. Okay, what's the, the group called? Drug Prevention Resources, DPRA. Becky Vance is the director. Uh, I think she was initially on Drug Free America. Amazing director, amazing group of men and women who are doing their best, u- utilizing different groups to minimize bad choices that young men and yeah. women make. And, and we have these great groups out there that nobody knows about. And in the, at the meantime, we have a country that's, racing towards the abyss of legalization it doesn't make any sense i love that racing toward the abyss of legalization love that we're speaking with jimmy capper we have a minute left in this segment and i want to be sure to give you a chance because the reason i I wanted to have you come in tonight was talk about all of your knowledge about drug legalization (laughs) impact of marijuana everything we've been talking about but you do have an organization called frontline leadership i do it's it's when i retired we started a little leadership firm uh, we've written uh, three books and travel around the country talking about the heart of leading and developing leaders across generational boundaries. But I often get asked because of my background about the drug issues in America. Our third book, we just came out with a third book, Raising Courageous Children in a Cowardly Culture, co-authored with my wife, who's the brains of the outfit. And uh, Okay, if you're watching Facebook Live, there dedicated, you go. We've actually dedicated an entire chapter on the uh, uh, drugs and actually on, on marijuana use. So we're, we're, we're having a great time uh, in this season. And we, listen, it... it 
we, we live in a difficult time where, where I think our culture sometimes looks like it's at a moral freefall, but we, we, we really need to stop and say, what is the evidence telling us? Not, not hey, I feel like we should have this. And, and I think we have to be willing to make the right hard decision when it comes to what we're going to do to make sure that the next generation, we have a responsibility, make sure that they, they, they live free, they have that kind of liberty, but they're healthy. Jimmy Capra, I can't thank you enough for coming Thanks in. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. And also, I love your message about it's not about wanting to lock up. It's wanting to keep healthy and whole. Debbie George Addis, Jimmy Capra, America Can We Talk. Thanks so much. Come right back after our break. On August 2nd, 2006, Debbie Lee was notified that her son, Mark Allen Lee, had been killed, becoming the first Navy SEAL to lose his life in Iraq. She had no choice about the news that was given to her, but she did have a choice how she responded. In response to her son's amazing last letter, she founded America's Mighty Warriors to honor the sacrifices of our troops, the fallen, and their families by providing programs that improve quality of life, resiliency, and recovery. Whether America's Mighty Warriors is hosting retreats for families of the fallen, helping heroes heal who are struggling with traumatic brain injury or post-traumatic stress disorder, providing relaxation at the Heroes Hope Home, stepping in when an injustice is committed, or doing random acts of kindness. As Mark mentioned in his letter, they know the price of freedom and who pays it. Our troops and families of the fallen need your support. Visit americasmightywarriors.org today to learn more. That's americasmightywarriors.org. There's a lot of talk today among media, in academia, in our culture, about everything that is supposedly wrong with America. Political correctness tries to dictate that we must stop thinking that America is exceptional. America's bravest have our back in the air, at sea, and on land. But who has America's back in the culture? In schools, on cable television, in newspapers? It's time to end the greatest prejudice on earth, anti-Americanism. And who makes the case for America? Flag does. Flag is the foundation for liberty and American greatness. Flag has America's back on the cultural battlefield. Flag is a nonprofit battle tank working to change the cultural and media narrative about America. If you think it's time to stand up for America, join the Foundation for Liberty and American Greatness. Your support of Flag is an investment in the America your children will inherit. Visit their website at flagusa.org and consider donating. All donations are 100% tax deductible. That's flagusa.org. Attention Ronald Reagan fans. What is the one item most sought after by Americans who love the Gipper? It's Young America's Foundation's Reagan Ranch Calendar. Young America's Foundation is the leading youth outreach organization dedicated to ensuring that increasing numbers of young Americans understand and are inspired by the ideas of individual freedom, a strong national defense, free enterprise, and traditional values. New audiences of young people across the country are introduced to conservative ideas through Young America's Foundation's programs, including the Reagan Ranch Program. The Reagan Ranch calendar contains spectacular images of the Gipper enjoying his beautiful 688-acre ranch, the Western White House. For a limited time, the calendar is free. Even shipping is free. To receive your beautiful Reagan Ranch calendar from Young America's Foundation, call 800-USA-1776 and mention the phrase Reagan Gift. Again, the number is 1-800-USA-1776 and Reagan Gift is the code. Learn more about Young America's Foundation at www.yaf.org. That's yaf.org. Could you lose your career because of your faith? Could your pastor be sued because of his sermons? 
Can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about God? Can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs? Get the answers and, if necessary, legal protection from First Liberty Institute. First Liberty is the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact, First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90% of their cases. They've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to local schools. Visit FirstLiberty.org to learn more about how First Liberty is protecting religious freedom for all Americans in the workplace, public schools, your church, the military, and more. That's FirstLiberty.org. If you want hope for religious freedom and a free listing of your rights, go to FirstLiberty.org now. Welcome back. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. So happy you've tuned, tuned in to America Can We Talk. Okay, every week this is the fastest two hours of my week. I can hardly stand. It's almost over. I want to be sure to say thank you to the sponsor of this show. We have a great segment coming up, but I want to thank the sponsor of our show. America Can We Talk is once a week, Sunday evening, 6 to 8 p.m., um, and it's we just love talking about America, defending America. It's sponsored by GC Works, which is a Dallas-based company that performs research in advanced technology and delivers innovative approaches to the oil and gas industry. Couldn't do it without them. And appreciate very much our guest we had on this last segment, Jimmy Capra, who honestly he speaks in so many contexts where he's really criticized and you know all sorts of people who just want to find some reason that marijuana legalization is the greatest thing in the world, um, and he. He just keeps saying, but where are the facts? What do the doctors say? What does the research say? Because as he points out, it doesn't back what these advocates for legalization are saying. And so anyway, I wanted to have him on. And, you know, I do. I, I think that every especially women's hearts, we ju- everyone has a heart, of course, but women's hearts. We don't want to think of people suffering. If the argument we hear is, you know, there's just so much need for legalization in order to help suffering people. We're willing to do a lot to try to prevent pain and suffering, um, and and so we get lulled in. But you know, we didn't even touch the surface of all the downside, the negative things, the bad things that have happened in Colorado. I particularly happen to know about Colorado because we've been there more recently. We have friends there. I I follow more. Um, what goes on there and the the damage in all across many aspects of society in Colorado legalization just cannot be overstated. I mean, he mentioned the increase in traffic deaths, the increase in the percentage. Colorado's number one in the country, the highest percent of high school students who have experimented with marijuana. Alcohol use is up, not down, since the legalization of marijuana. Just just all sorts of reasons. And I just think it's important, these kind of issues, you know, the, the facts and the science matter as in, and everything else. Or as I always say in the show, truth matters. Facts matter matter. It matters what is true. Okay. In this last segment, um, I want to go back to something I was saying earlier. You know, um, I mentioned a few weeks ago that in the here in Texas, if, um, I know Colorado, I don't know if you had your primaries yet. Um, and I know Arizona's primary, though, for our Arizona listeners, their primary is not until late August, uh, which is amazing. But in any case, we had our primaries here in Texas and we had a, um, my husband and I decided to go to listen to the Democrat candidates who were running in a primary uh, for CD32, which is my congressional district here in Texas. And so there were seven of them 
uh, seven Democrats running, and they had um, they now have a runoff coming up because they no one got a, you know, over fifty percent, so they're runoff. But all seven of them, we went to listen to this forum. They had all of them would they and in response to the question from the questioner support impeaching President Trump. Uh, they you know. It, They had different kind of answers or spins on it, but they all said, yes, impeach President Trump. They also said, all of them said, yep, absolutely, you know, we got to go for gun. They wouldn't call it gun confiscation. I will tell you, it's gun confiscation. It is is taking guns away. And so that was another just kind of across the board. Yep, we got to really, really crack down on guns. And then the third one was all of them were very, very supportive of socialized medicine. I mean— we are so polite in America, we just don't want to call it that. But when the Democrats say they want single payer, they mean socialized medicine. We have to call it that. We have to hold their feet to the fire for that. So I raise all this to say that in this time in 2018, between now it's only April and November when the midterm elections happen, a lot of things can change. I'll repeat my prognostication, which is this. Barring some absolute, based on everything we know today, every fact, every all the dis, all the effort by uh, Robert Mueller, the special counsel, to just eviscerate President Trump's presidency, all the calls for impeachment by Democrats since the day he was elected, all of the the effort of the Democrats to create controversy and outrage against President Trump, the simple fact is, despite endless. Media assault. I mean, we mentioned other times in this show, but the mainstream media sources, President Trump, there has been nothing like it in American history in terms of the overwhelmingly negative media presentation about President Trump in basically every across the board, every what's considered mainstream media. It's not really mainstream. It's left wing, but it holds itself out as mainstream. CNN, MSNBC, ABC, All those, Washington Post, New York Times, endless assault on President Trump. And still, despite that, he is at about 50% approval rating by the American voters. I just want to think about, encourage you to think about that. People are so happy with America sounding and feeling strong again. People are happy about the idea somebody cares that we have an enforceable border. Somebody cares that we are not going to remain signatory to ridiculous agreements that have no basis in science, like the climate change uh, deal, that we are going to assert America's interest in our trade deals, that we're going to assert America's interest at the U.N., that we don't just salute to the left-wing bullies in the world. We actually stand up. People are happy about this. So President Trump set those approval ratings, but the great poll I mentioned earlier, and this was a poll, um, it's just got to be killing the the libs because it's a poll uh, that was done by the, um, oh, I'm not going to find it fast enough, Marist College, M-A-R-I-S-T, Marist College, uh, but there were other left-wingers involved in this polling. And the basic thing that I want to share with you is how all of these these people responded, even including Democrats, saying essentially that they would not support someone. In fact, here's the, the thing. A plurality of voters, 47 percent, said they would definitely vote against a candidate for Congress who wants to impeach the president. 
47%, only 42% said that they would vote for a candidate who has who intends to impeach the president. So across the board, 47% would not vote for someone who wants to impeach the president. This whole effort that started out, what we talked about tonight at the beginning of this show, this whole effort within the Hillary Clinton campaign, the Fusion GPS, creating the Russian dossier and using the dossier to get uh, search warrants from the FISA court and the, the FBI and the DOJ in the middle of all of this, trying to be sure that Hillary won the election. And when she didn't win, trying to be sure there's some way of protecting her from ever being prosecuted and from trying to destroy President Trump through this false Russia collusion narrative, which has fallen flat on its face. The Democrats in this country are desperate. They are desperate. They thought they'd have Hillary And they thought, once they knew they wouldn't have her as president, they thought they would have the American public churned up into outrage against President Trump. That they that the America would be salivating, just just could not wait to have him impeached. It hasn't happened. In fact, Americans like what President Trump is doing. They actually want him to continue to assert America's interests at the U.N., at the border, in our trade agreements, in our refugee policy. They want immigration fixed. They want much of what he's doing. So that's the first point is that the and I told you this story about the going to listen to the debate among the Democrats in this district where I happen to live, because I think across the country, many, many Democrat candidates thought their number one issue in the fall of 2018 would be. Well, vote for me. I'm a Democrat for Congress. I'll vote to impeach President Trump. And not so fast. I think that those, the Democrat Party is in a meltdown internally because they did not succeed in whipping the American public into outraged hatred of Trump. They are shocked and amazed to recognize Americans actually like the tax cuts. Working Everyday Joe Americans, not the tax cuts for rich picture the Democrats always try to paint, but the truth of the tax cuts, which were they are tax cuts for the average Joe hardworking American. People like that. So the Democrats filed this lawsuit I mentioned earlier in the show. They think, well, this will keep it in the news. We'll be in the headlines. We filed in the federal court. We're going to they've sued Trump and and Jared Kushner and Trump's son and the, and the campaign and the Russians and WikiLeaks and everywhere they can think of. This is a hysterically desperate measure on their part, a hysterically desperate measure to remain relevant. Because the more you dive into this poll, people do not like what the, the way the Democrats are handling uh, this Trump presidency. It's a rare, actually, it's an interesting thing. There is a, um, uh, there, there is a uh, deeper partisan split in a lot of polling, and there is in this one, too. A more a deeper partisan split, but I think that there are a lot of people. And the last little group I want to comment about tonight was the Never Trumpers, you know, the people who are on the GOP side. Generally speaking, would consider them call themselves conservative or, or Republican, who are, were just so proudly Never Trumper. They were just proudly going to sit back on the sides and say, you know, we're just going to, um, you know, we're just going to never support him no matter what he says, no matter what he does, no matter what he accomplishes. We're going to pile on and pile on. And there are some. I've named them on the show before. I'm not going to do it tonight. But I think even those never Trumpers are thinking, dang, you know, the country's going really well, actually. 
I mean, the tax cuts are pretty darn great. Um, we have a, you know, we have a, a, an amazing economy. We have confidence in the economy. People are, are working. We have low unemployment rates among black citizens who are large, who have traditionally had a higher unemployment rate. We have better employment numbers for women, for blacks. We have great numbers. People are working. And the immigration picture is not going well for the lefties in this country. They, people are recognizing it's okay to want a border, to want to have citizenship matter, to have immigration laws. Trump's message is resonating with America. And I think a lot of the never Trumpers and, and the Democrats are thinking I got that they need to rethink their stance. I hope that they are, because I say this last thing for tonight. I think that there is great danger in this country if we lose sight of all the good things that have happened and and don't we aren't more alert to how much danger and harm could come to our country if we let this this hysterical Democrat cabal take power in Washington again, take power in the House. They would. They have promised. The Democrats are running on promising to increase your taxes. That's one, that's one of their big announcements. Vote for us. We're going to raise your taxes. So I will say, folks, this, you know, we talk once a week for two hours on Sunday evenings. I want to ask you to tune in to my podcast every Wednesday, 3 p.m. Central Time at the Facebook page, America Can We Talk. We'll always be talking about pre- preserving and protecting the great, extraordinary nation, America. Talk to you next week. America Can We Talk with Debbie Georgiatis. To learn more or to contact Debbie, go to AmericaCanWeTalk.org. America Can We Talk, Truth About America. America.